Hey, let's pray before we go any further. God, thank you for today and for the opportunity to look at things that uh, not often are looked at and especially to see you in a unique way. And I pray that happens today. Amen. Well, we're not trying to promote tattoos or say everybody should have a tattoo, but there's something about when you get a tattoo, in that moment, you're committed to something. You're committed to what that is communicating. And commitments are a good thing. Whatever it is we're committing to, especially when it's the right thing. Chuck started off last week talking about our yes being yes. When we say yes, we actually do it. We follow through on it. In the book of Matthew, he referred to this. We'll look at it again. Matthew chapter 5 Uh, Verse 36 and following actually starts earlier and it says this, Do not swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This translation of the Bible is uh, the TNIV, today's new international version. Sometimes people say, hey, what's the best version of the Bible? The best translation or version of the Bible is the one you're reading. That's the best one. Honestly, it is. Uh, But sometimes there are translations that are more literal or word-for-word accurate. There's actually a better word-for-word accurate translation of this. So it actually would go like this. It would say, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from evil. There's actually two yeses and two no's. Jesus is saying, you ought to be the kind of person that when you make commitments, you don't have to go into intense oaths or intense verbal menstruations But simply, when you say yes, that's what I have to say. Your yes is yes and your no is no. Is he saying there's anything wrong if you're asked to testify in court, putting your hand on the Bible and saying, I swear to tell the whole truth, to help your God? Is he saying there's anything wrong with making those kind of oaths? No. No. Is he saying there's anything wrong with having a, a, a written contract? Is there anything wrong with that? No. But what he's saying is, the more character you have, the more you follow through on commitments, the more your reputation of being of personal commitment follows, the more you'll be able to just have handshake deals. The less you'll be required to sign contracts. The less you'll have to say things like we said when we were little kids, I swear to God, swear to God. Which not only is that a good thing because it breaks one of the Ten Commandments of taking the Lord's name in vain, but also when we said that as a little kid or we'd say, seriously, get, get a stack of Bibles. Get a stack of Bibles out here right now. I'll swear in a stack of Bibles or, you know, stick a needle in my eye, hope to die, or however those went. When we were little kids, we used to say all those things because we were trying to convince our friends that I'm really serious right now because I normally don't do what I say I'm going to do. It would be awesome. Isn't it awesome if you work with somebody when they say, I'll get that done. Yes, I will. Like, there's some people when they say that, you just go, whew, that feels good. I don't have to talk about it any longer. You just said yes. I know it'll get done. Then there's other people that say, yeah, I'll do that. And you go, are you sure? Yeah, I'll do it. Promise. Yeah, I'll do it. Do I need to follow up? You have to ask all these things because they aren't simple people of commitments whose yes and yes is no is no. Last week, Chuck majored on yes. I'm going to major today on no. Celebrate no. I want to celebrate no. Just turn to the person beside you right now and just say no. Just say it right now. No. No. Normally the only people who say no are little kids who need spanked. That's normally the only ones who say no. It's like, no, no. You know, the older we get, we don't like just saying no. We like saying, well, I'll do my best. Really, we're thinking, no, I'm not going to. We'll say, well, if it all works out, yeah, I'm going to try not to do that again. I'm going to try simple no. I want to celebrate no. When we say no, we just don't do it. In the book of Titus, which is named after an early leader in the church named Titus, Titus chapter 2, it says this. It says, For the grace of God appeared 
that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. When I want to say yes to having a life that's more like God's, when I want to have a life that's more up, uh, up uh, controlled, when I want to have a life that's upright, I almost said uptight, when I want to have a life that's upright, when I want to say yes to having more of the grace of God, what that means is there are things in my life that I have to say no to. I have to say no to certain things if I want those good things in my life. So we're going to do a a test case today. We're going to do a pressure test. If you want to test if anything is true, put it in pressureful circumstances. If you want to test your philosophy, your worldview, put it in an extreme situation. In manufacturing, you take your item and you stress test it before it actually goes to market. If you manufacture valves, you stress test it in situations that are much more pressuresome than household water pressure is going to be. If you're in the Navy, you get into a submarine and you have some sense of peace because you know the welds in the hull on that submarine have been pressure tested at the equivalent depths that are actually far beyond what that submarine will normally do. And so we're going to look at something that's a very intense thing today. This isn't the topic of the day. It's something that's very intense. And if you can learn to say no in this situation, you can do it in anything and fulfill your commitment. We're going to talk about saying no to sex that shouldn't happen. Everyone's going, oh gosh, looks like I picked the wrong day to go to church. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> man. In fact, if you have a kid in here, this is why we have Kids Club. So uh, you should have your kid in Kids Club because they get spoken to better than I speak to them, even though I am on their emotional level. Uh, it's a good reason why we have Kids Club. Now, it's just so you know, whatever I say in here today is the kind of stuff I've said to all my kids at age one and following. But for you, you might want you might want to be the first person to talk to your kids about sex other than me, but I'm going to talk about that today. Woody Allen, Woody Allen uh, said this. He said, oral contraception is when someone asks you to go to bed, you say no. <laughs> I don't think he actually ever followed his own advice, but nonetheless, that is what oral contraception is when we actually say no. <coughs> would you imagine uh, what would it be like if we went to a building, we saw this building up off in the distance and it was a block building with no windows and we saw outside a bunch of old beat up pickup trucks but also we saw some Mercedes outside we were thinking those two kind of vehicles normally are not together and as we approached the door we heard this loud thumping music this thumping music we went in and it was dark inside and it was smoky and there was a pole up on the stage and someone was holding on to the pole Unwrapping a cheeseburger really delicately and seductively and just kind of going like this, the cheeseburger. You would be left to conclude, boy, there's a weird fixation with cheeseburgers in here. What is the, what is the weird thing with cheeseburgers in here? You would, you would be left to conclude something is out of whack here. And I want us to consider something is out of whack in our society that is intensely, intensely sexualized. Go to, go to a, a rag, magazine rack and women's health, men's health, and the main headlines are just about sex. I'm not even talking about Cosmopolitan. Just go to Seventeen Magazine or wherever. It's a sexualized culture that's in and through all of us, and we don't even realize it. When is the last time you went to a movie when you saw celebrated one guy and one woman saving themselves from marriage and not having sex until then? When's the last time that was ever, ever celebrated? How many television shows can you watch with your 85-year-old grandmother and your first grader? 
There's not many, but yet we're in this sexualized culture. We don't even notice these things. And in fact, some of us, some of us, i just like to, you to notice maybe your reaction right now. You ever had somebody who, uh, who you thought drank too much and drank abusively? Have you ever gone to that person and said, hey, uh, can we talk about your drinking habits? Because this, I don't know if it's all that healthy. And have you ever had to do it a second time? Have you ever noticed that People who are addicts after the second time, maybe even the first time, they're like, why are we always talking about this? Why, why is this such an issue? Because when you're addicted, when you need something, you really can't enter into a level-headed conversation. And I just want to say, the reason why we tend to not be able to talk about this is we're addicted to sex, whatever our sexual expression is. But I want to talk about that today. I want to celebrate no, and to do that, we need to identify the heart of the issue. If you want to say no to anything, Say no to sex before marriage. Say no to sex outside of marriage. Say no to overspending. Say no to overeating. Say no to showing up to work or church late. Say no to any of these things. We have to identify what's the heart of the issue. Is the heart of the issue because I want to satisfy my mother and my mother said that that's the way it should be? Well, if that's the heart of the issue, it's not going to work. Is the heart of the issue, well, because religion says I need to be a good person? Well, if that's the heart of the issue for why you want to say no, it's not going to work. Is the heart of the issue you want to fit in with everybody? I mean, what is the heart of the issue? Well, to look at this one, the heart of the issue is that God wants our hearts. God wants our affection. And the reason why sex works beautifully in the context of a lifelong committed relationship is that two people have become one, and when they become physically one, they're mirroring their emotional, spiritual commitment to be one. And marriage mirrors this commitment God has to us. It's a crazy thing. A man and woman being one together mirrors how Jesus comes, as the Bible calls him, the bridegroom, and he weds people like myself who are part of the bride. I don't dig being called a chick, but I am part of the bride. Anybody who follows Jesus is part of the collective whole of the bride, and God weds himself to us. This is ridiculous. This is transcendent of any religion, any spirituality, where God actually comes down and weds himself to us. And the human marriage is a representation, a reminder, that that is how God operates. So... Divorce. Why is divorce a big deal? It's in the Bible. Um, if you just kind of focus on when can I get divorced, why shouldn't I get divorced, who should be divorced, who should... There's a lot of divorce stuff in the Bible. But if you just focus on that, you're going to be left to come up with a bunch of religious principles when the heart of the issue of why divorce is a big deal in the Bible is that two people have become one. In God's eyes, they're not two individuals. It is not a joint partnership. It is two people have literally become one. And this mirrors the union of God becoming one with us. And so simply saying, well, I don't want any of you any longer, enough with that, is not what God does with us and saying, well, enough with you. I don't want any more of you. Genesis, it, it talks about this. Genesis chapter two, it says this. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now there's a lot of stuff. Do we have a kid or somebody who just likes to be loud? Can we... Yes, we have an usher. It's not happy, laughy, laughy time. There you go. Thank you. Um, 
The reason why this is, uh, this is funny here, this is not funny, I'm a little thrown off my game here for a moment. The reason um, that this verse is very confusing for some people is some people say, well, is this figurative to be taken figuratively? Is it to be taken literally? There's a bunch of things in the Bible that are hard to figure out exactly what's figurative, what's literal. But there is a literal truth that's being communicated here. One is that men and women, there is not a hierarchy of who's more important than the other. There's not a hierarchy of who's more valued. The fact that a rib is taken out of man illustrates, illustrates that men and women are of the same essence. When God looks at a man and a woman, it's not like, you're more important than you, you're more valued. Men and women are of the same essence. And what this shows here is that men and women, as they come together, as they marry one another, if that happens, they leave aside all other relationships as the primary relationships. They come together, and they, when, they, when they come and have sex, they physically join. Yes, I keep talking with my hands. I'll probably be doing that. I'll be doing things with my hands and saying things you think shouldn't happen, but it will be. But uh, as they come, it just happens. You know, as they come and have one flesh, what's happening physically is there's a physical representation of the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is these two people are one, and when there is physical intercourse, it mirrors, it mirrors the spiritual reality of which God looks at a man and woman. That's what sex is. It doesn't just feel good. God has created sex to feel good. It doesn't just uh, create bonding experience. It actually mirrors when everything is operating properly. It mirrors an eternal reality. This is why if you're married, there is sexual temptations. One partner is hornier than the other. One person has a larger sex drive than the other. Per other. One person has uh, different things than the other one going on. This is why there's tension in marriages around sex. Now, your, your husband or your wife might not have thought about it this way, might never articulate this way, but the reason why it is so difficult, when one, one, one spouse doesn't want to be as sexually active as the other, is that the way that one person feels is, you don't want me. I'm not attractive to you. We're not one. Because when that sexual act happens, it is a physical representation of we are one. And when sex isn't operating right in marriage, this is why it's an emotionally difficult time. Because things aren't operating properly. The lack of sex is showing that this, the marriage is not operating in oneness. I had a buddy of mine who recently got an iPhone. we have any iPhone fans in here? Yeah. The 8.30 crowd, like nobody had an iPhone. I was like, iPhones, what are those, you know? They're too busy, like, making their list, checking them twice, getting them done. But uh, there's something about iPhones that are just cool, especially with guys. For some reason, guys just dig iPhones more than ladies. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because guys are much more visually stimulated, so there's more things to look at and touch and all these kind of things, or if it's, I don't know what it is, but guys just seem to really, really um, enjoy iPhones in a big way. I had a buddy of mine who just got his first iPhone. He got a 3GS, um, and he... Um, just became immersed in downloading apps and learning things. He was just constantly just staring at this thing. And after a few days, he said, he went to bed and he was lying in bed with his, uh, with his wife. And his wife said, all you need in your iPhone is a vagina app and you'll be just happy. <laughs> she started to feel like his affections and he was more intrigued with the iPhone than her. This is... This, this is what, see, sex is a physical representation, heart of the matter, of a spiritual commitment. And marriage is a physical representation of God's commitment, God's oneness with us. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is crazy. 
Now, when you want, when you say no, when, again, it's crazy, this is how God operates. Now, when you want to say no to something, it's not just you want to celebrate no, not just you want to identify the heart of the issue, but you also have to do a little bit deeper work there to continue to make that commitment work for you on a day-by-day basis. So one thing to do is list the consequences if no becomes yes. If your no becomes yes, what are the consequences? I have a journal that I... Uh, write my prayers in, sometimes do some work things in here. And I decided this last week to, in, in my time with God one day, to just, just list what would the consequences be if my no to having sex with anybody other than Libby ever became a yes to have sex with somebody else? What would the consequences be? I'm sure you don't want to hear any of them. So I will uh, go. Now, would you like to hear a couple of them? Doesn't matter if you want to hear them or not. I'm going to tell them to you. 24 of them. Camp of 24. These are not in rank order or anything like that. Just as I thought. Just writing out. It was a really good exercise for me. Here they are. Why I'm saying no. One, God's commanded me to. Now, um, my list might look different than yours. So I'm not right now trying to force on you what your reasons should be if you choose to see this as the heart of the matter of sex. For many of us, we've come in here as sexual addicts. We have our opinions, we're buttressing, we're not going to change. And so me talking about this for 35 minutes like throwing a pee at a tank, just not going to do much. But whatever you, this is an example for you. If you want to say no to something, what are the consequences? For me, this is, this is the major one for me. Nowhere in the Bible ever, nowhere, I love how people say that are nebulous on this, who have convictions about the Bible but never actually read it. Nowhere in the Bible is sex with somebody you're not committed to for life in the context of marriage. Nowhere is it ever positive. Nowhere is it condoned. So for me, if I want my life to line up with that, I just say, well, sometimes I don't understand it. Sometimes I maybe don't even like it in certain things in my life. But when God says it, that should, if I'm operating in a healthy way, settle it too. I don't want to break Libby's heart. I don't want to break Lena's heart. I don't want to break Jake's heart. I don't want to break Mariah's heart. I don't want to put anybody in my family through the pain of having an adulterous affair. Six, I don't want to put an additional burden in my kid's future marriage. Um, my, my girls, uh, their ability to err on the side of trusting their husband if they get married, a lot of great women don't get married, if they get married, their ability to err on the side of trusting their man, like it or not, is going to be based on whether or not they were able to trust their dad. And if they weren't able to trust me, and if their dad let them down, or that dad couldn't fulfill a commitment, I'm just, I'm just putting them in the hole on their marriage. Not that they can't overcome it. It's just going to be an issue. And I want to be a blessing to any future son-in-law. Seven, I don't want to lose the joy of serving at Crossroads. Um, if I uh, fall off the wagon sexually, I know that you all forgive me. I know that you all love me. I know that God will. I know God loves me. I, I, I know that. But I also know that when you're in leadership, there, there are different, um, different outcomes for different behaviors. And if that happens to me, I just shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be serving in, in a position of leadership. And no matter how much I cry or try to keep my job, I just should be out. I just should be out, at least for a season. I should be, and um, I like being here. I really do. I love what I'm doing. I pinch myself. I can't get, believe I get paid for this. It's wonderful. I don't want, I, I, I don't want to lose the joy of serving here at, uh, at Crossroads. Eight, I don't want the messiness or stickiness of another relationship. 
Stickiness. <laughs> Stickiness. <laughs> you saw that one coming, didn't you, Deborah? I wrote that down. I said, kind of stickiness. Yeah, that works. That's fine. I don't want the messiness or stickiness of another relationship. It, it is. It's just difficult. Moves like fatal attraction exist for a reason. Complication. I don't want any more kids since I wouldn't do an abortion. I don't want a disease. Yeah, condoms do give safer sex, but as many in here know, it is not foolproof. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want a disease. I, I, I want the best for me. Impurity encourages, not guarantees, that God will bring good things my way. I do. I, I admit it. I want a great life. I want a good life. I want a lot of good things coming my way. I do. And I know God intentionally will bring things my way. It encourages. I know there's a lot of pain coming my way. I know there's a lot of difficulty coming my way. I, I can't guarantee anything happens in my life, but I want to encourage God to view me as a worthy investment to send good stuff to. I want to go about my day with a clean conscience. Number 13, I want to have a pervasive joy which is connected to honoring God. I want to set a good example for Jake, who needs to see what it's like to be faithful to one woman for life. My dad did this for me. I want to do this for Jake. 15, I want to set a good example for my grandkids and make their holidays easier. <laughs> All of us, they'll go, yes, yes. I want to set a good example for uh, 16. I want to, I don't want to live a double life. I don't want to put faithful people at crossroads to the pain of a mess with the senior leader. I don't want to be yet another example of Christian leaders who have no integrity. I don't want to be doing anything, and especially the wild thing, with someone I'm not married to should Jesus decide to return to earth at that moment. <laughs> That's just me. I didn't write these so they would preach well. This is just me just writing these down. Uh, I'm serious. I believe that's going to literally and physically happen someday, and I'd like to not be doing certain things when that happens. Number 20, I don't want the wasted energy of covering up my sin. It does. I, if, it's, if it's evading income taxes, if it's this, if it, it takes energy. It's wasted, and sooner or later it comes out, and it takes a whole bunch of other energy. 21, I don't want to invite God's hand of correction. God will correct me doesn't punish because he just wants to dole out pain, but Hebrews says that he's a loving father who disciplines. Every loving father disciplines. And I would just assume have him keep that paddle on the wall. <laughs> 22, I don't want to invite, I want to invite God's hand of blessing. 23, I don't want to create a whole host of eventual problems in the other person's life. You know, when we operate sexually for a 15 second thrill, I know it's longer than that, but really it comes down about 15, 10 seconds. When we focus on whatever that thrill is, we forget that there's another person, someone is eventually going to be hurt. Someone will be. If you're having sex with somebody you're not married to, I promise you, someone will be hurt. You will be hurt or they will be hurt. You will be stunned, they will be stunned. You will have baggage or they will have baggage. Both of you will have baggage. It, it is true. It is true. And I just, I don't want to create eventual problems in somebody else's life. And then 24, a clean conscience has a much longer shelf life than a sexual thrill. Now, these are, these are my consequences. I don't know what yours, uh, yours are, what they might be. I encourage you, sit down while you're spiritually sane because when we get all hot and bothered, we tend not to operate according to sanity. 
while you're saying, take some time every once in a while to actually sit down and write those things down. Three, make barriers. Make barriers. I mean, there, are, there is a line. There is a line to what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, when you go to the Grand Canyon, there is a line to what is safe and what is death. It's right on the edge of the rock. If you've ever gone to the Grand Canyon or, or a cliff or Red River Gorge, you know that no one goes just right up over the edge and kind of puts their toes there. You could do that. That's technically safe. But you know when you get there, you're feeling a little queasy. You realize a little blow in the wind, you're going to fall over. You naturally just kind of stay back a little bit because that's healthy. Whatever you think the boundaries are, I'm saying step back. And not just step back, but actually build a barrier, make a barrier. Uh, Libby and I, one of the things that we like to do is operate financially sane. Um, so uh, we have a mortgage. We don't have any credit card debt or, uh, or car payments right now. Um, but nonetheless, there is tension that happens regularly for me in the house, and that is whenever I get the credit card bill. See, I, uh, I, 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 if I'm not careful, I can buy into the cult of uh, premium credit card buying. You know, the credit card companies really do a great job of totally messing with us. It's like, hey, you'll get 1% back or half percent back. You'll spend 25 to 50% more than you would if it was cash, but you get your half percent back. You're giving yourself money by spending money. It's crazy. So we're like, oh, I'm getting miles. Or I'm getting free gas, whatever. But every time that, that credit card bill comes in, I'm like, ah, why is it so high? And I immediately, immediately think that Libby did something wrong. And I look at it, I'm going, nah, that was me. That was me. I'm really the problem here. Ow. And so we keep trying to say no to as much in the credit card because when we do that, then we can't do other things as aggressively financially. Now realize, simply saying no to a lot of spending more than we would like to isn't good enough. We have to erect a barrier. So what we've done, just doing it right now, is we're going back to the barrier of only using the credit card when you're at the gas pump and we're on a cash basis only. That's the barrier. And then the barrier, maybe it'll... Maybe we'll get off that barrier eventually, but we need to do that barrier. And if we want to do something above and beyond cash, we have to call one another. Now, I'm not saying here that for us to be financially sane, everyone needs these barriers. I'm not saying this. In fact, this is what religion and morality does. This is why many of us are uncomfortable around this. Religion and morality loves to draw barriers and just say, well, that's, just don't do that. And you're going, well, like, why not? Well, because I said so. Just don't do that. This is not about everyone should have the same barriers and same lines, but you have to have barriers. You must, or else you will not say no. You need something to help you and facilitate you. One of the things that uh, people um, regularly ask me, you know, and I'll, I'll get these emails, so let's deal with it right now. Those of us who, uh, who are not married, the question is, well, how far can I go? Where's the line? Where's the, how far can I go? Um, and here's the way I respond to that. Um, what would it be like if I said to Libby, I said, hey, honey, you know, I am faithful to you. I am, I'm saying yes to you, but I'm just curious, with other women I see, I mean, how, how far can I go? I'm just, <laughs> I, I just, I just want to know, how far can I go? Like, I'm pretty sure like a one-arm hug, and I see, hey, I'm pretty sure, like, can I do a two-arm hug? Can I do one of those two-arm hugs and go, you know, one of those deals? I mean, is that, how about, I know I shouldn't be doing any alfalfa kisses, but what about like a kiss on the cheek, apparently? I mean, can I like have, what am I, well, of course, if I had that kind of discussion, she'd have to say, what is this coming from? This is crazy. This is weird. Why? Because the heart of the issue in having that conversation is, 
I want to have thrills outside of you. I want to have thrills outside of God. So how far can I go? So understand when we say to God, how far can I go? Can we recognize the heart of the issue is not God, how can I develop my heart with you? Not how can I develop my relationship with you? Not how can I have a clean conscience, but really how far can I go? And I'm not here to say today what's right, what's wrong, do this, do that. All I'm saying is let's look at the heart of the issue of why we react the way we do and why we might not be willing to set up barriers. Got a buddy of mine who uh, become a Crossroads forever and uh, he Facebooked me recently and um, realized, oh, finally realized I was talking about this yesterday. Oh, I, I guess he's back on uh, the computer because he realized that he needed to have a barrier around pornography. Well, the reason why pornography is just a bad deal, not good, is because it creates for you an image of somebody who will always win over the person you're married with. It does not foster commitment. It does not foster a joyful, healthy, enduring sex life. It gives a cheap thrill and anesthetizes and dumbs down our senses and makes it not possible to have a great sex life whenever that is appropriate. It's just, it, it, I do a whole mess with that. I'm not going to do it right now. But I have a buddy of mine so I realized he just couldn't stay away. And so he took Jesus' words literally of if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Where he said, well, I'm not going to gouge out my eyes, but... I can live without a computer. He went without email for years. Normal American, not having computer access because he couldn't keep himself. He had a barrier. Now, I trust and I know he's, he must have found another barrier, whatever his barrier is, and he's good. He's back in the computer doing everything. All I'm saying is this. All I'm saying, whatever you want to do. You want to do, you want to eat less potato chips. You want to, you know, whatever, whatever. Find a barrier. Find, create a barrier. For me, sexually, um, I have barriers that are different than other people's. I know some pastors that uh, they have barriers where they like to broadcast, I will never have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a woman. And uh, in some church contexts, that works really well because women aren't in all levels of the organization. We believe here and practice here that level, women can be at all levels of the, of the organization. So for me, simply to say, I'm not going to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a woman is like saying... You know, half of everybody who's here, I'm never going to get it to interact with and manage and sharpen. It just it doesn't work. But I have to have some barriers. So my barriers are things like if I'm ever meeting with a woman one-on-one, uh, -on -one, doing lunch or something like that or coffee, I tell my wife ahead of time, this is happening just so everything is above board and there's a measure of accountability. That's, just, that's the way it is. If I have, if I'm going to be in a car with somebody going somewhere, not only do I tell her that I'm going to be in the car, but whenever I can, I have them pick them up my house. I had a, uh, a woman who's uh, on our senior level of leadership here came and picked me up to go to a, an event. And I said, just come to my house. Why well, meet her somewhere? Just come to my house, lives there. It's all open, and, you know, no, no big deal. We have our office doors here. All of our office doors here have windows in them and they have blinds on them. And whenever a man or a woman is meeting in an office, the blinds have to be open. If the blinds are closed and a man or woman are then there alone, it's a punishable offense. You might not lock those barriers, those might not work for you. All I'm saying is this. If you don't strategically think, what are the barriers? And again, is it sinful for a man and a woman to be together behind closed doors? No, no. But just understand, the more you put in the way to keep you from going to a bad place, the easier figure out what the barriers are. And finally, um, say yes to something. Say yes to something. Just saying no to sex doesn't work. Just like just saying no to drugs doesn't work or, or no to overeating doesn't work. You have to say yes to working out, 
yes to a healthy lifestyle, yes to God, yes to becoming, you know, who God wants. Yeah, say yes to something. And what we do here, what we say yes to, what we encourage you to say yes to, is yes to the life that God has created all of us to have. Hey, let me just say this. The world wants you to think that you are a dog. The world wants you to think that when you feel sex, you have to sex. The world wants you to think that when you're horny, you have to relieve yourself. The world is telling you, you can't say no. This is crazy. This is utterly asinine. You are not a dog. You are not a deer that gets in ruts and wanders around and gets wiped out by a car. You are created in the image of God. Men and women are created in the image of God. You have the ability to say no when other created creatures cannot say no. You have the ability to be creative. You are way more important. You have infinite capacities, way beyond any other created thing. And I just want to tell you, I want to call you to a higher level. You are way beyond the animal kingdom. You can monitor your sex drive. You can monitor your sexual activities, not because religion says to, not because morality says so, because, yes, your heart wants it. Yes, you want to experience what God has for you. And yes, it's rooted in God's character. God, I am, I am praying that um, as we continue this exercise here over the next 10, 15 minutes, that you do something special. This now would not just be some mental exercise, some Bible exercise, but this would be something where we look at the heart of the issue, and that is you. We look at your enduring commitments. We look at how you have sustained your commitment with uh, mankind. And even though there's times and seasons when I feel like you're not there, when I look back over my life, I see that you haven't moved, I've moved. I see that I can reinterpret things that I thought were bad now is good. I recognize you as faithful, I do. And I recognize marriage and sex as a beautiful expression of your faithfulness and of your togetherness. Would you now do something in our hearts right now, not just in our minds, but in our hearts? I pray these things according to your character. Amen. You got a sharp when you came in today. And um, when we're done with this, or when you're done with this, I want you to please drop them off on the little bins on you uh, as you leave so we have enough for the next service. But uh, I have one tattoo. I don't know if I'll ever get a t another tattoo, but my tattoo, and it's not important even that you ever see my tattoo or that you even understand that if you see my tattoo, should I be wearing a sleeveless shirt? What was important is, when I got that tattoo, I was marking myself before God. I was making commitment that this is what I wanted to be about. And uh, I have a tattoo that says truth and grace. The Bible says that Jesus came full of truth and grace. And I realized that I didn't want to just be a truth guy. That just, no, that's the way it is. Just do this. That's the truth. <laughs> Some people are just truth people. And I didn't want to be just a grace guy. I was like, hey, man, if that's where you are, that's cool. Live and let live. Man, God loves you. If you feel it, do it. That's fine. You know, I, I don't want to just be a great, I want to be fully graceful and fully truthful. And so I, it was a moment for me that, that, that just marks me. We're going to give ourselves the opportunity to, uh, to give ourselves a tattoo. It's going to last, I don't know, five, seven days. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Uh, this is just a healthy thing. I found that when I make commitments, if I can make them for as short of a period of time, the better. I, I would not encourage you right now to make this commitment and say, I will never look at pornography for the rest of my life. I'd encourage you not to make that commitment. Start with like, the next 24 hours I won't. Or the next seven days. Or maybe as long as this lasts. I just want to, if you want to make some mark on yourself that's significant to you, that you know, and it can remind you and mark the moment for the, the next 
several days. Just do that in this moment while we sit and reflect on the words of this song about how God's faithfulness rules and how it's not about moralism, it's about making commitments that mirror God's heart. God, it has, it has always been you.